Welcome to the Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media, featuring the top builders, projects, and investors pioneering Bitcoin inscription protocols and the future of digital artifacts. Welcome everyone to the Ordinals Podcast. I'm your host, Ragnar Leafthracer. Today we're going to talk about futuristic and present art. We've got a great artist with us today. Far F-A-R. He describes himself as an artist and engineer whose research interests lie at the intersection of visual arts and technology with a focus on cultural techniques. Probably a lot of people know him for Taproot Wizards. He's the kind of main artist there, but he does a lot of other really cool stuff with recursive inscriptions. His Umwelt collection is a weird one, which I like, and, uh, and many other things. He's also a PhD in visual studies at Harvard. So far, welcome to the Ordinals podcast. Right now, thank you for uh, having me here. I'm very excited to to chat with you. I mean, you you had like a very interesting conversations already that I hear uh, among other with other peers peers from the Ordinals uh, community. So yeah, it's an honor to to be here. Absolutely, so glad to have you. Um, you know, when I first came across your work, it was to the Taproot Wizards, and I thought. Well, who who's doing the work? Taproot Wizards, pretty basic, right? It's just using MS Paint. Is it just Udi's, you know, younger brother just using MS Paint to get these basic things across? And then I found obviously that you're kind of the artist there. Um, and then I started to look into your work, and you're actually it uh, looks like a very accomplished, dynamic artist. And and so that was kind of neat to see that Taproot Wizards had someone of your your caliber. So if you could just give us kind of your brief summary of, of your of your work, what you've done and what you're doing now before we dive into the details. Yeah, so um, you, you explain it well. Uh, I'm an artist. I come to art uh, via uh, engineering. Uh, I have actually a civil engineering degree uh, and, and architecture. I have both. But when I was doing those degrees, I was very interested in in, in the visual representation. Uh, and then that, that was at the beginning in civil engineering. I went to a very, I studied civil engineering in a very conservative or like old school uh, uh, university. But, but then I studied architecture uh, using the computer as an oracle to, to give us like a shapes and forms. So in general, so I, I got like a, first of all, like at the beginning in civil engineering, I was very, I was very interested in, you know, drawing and solving um, mathematical problems with geometry, uh, the graphical representation. And then in architecture school, uh, I was fascinated by 3D software. And so, you know, when, by, by when I finished uh, architecture school, I did the, uh, you know, I, Everyone was kind of like, a, "All right, dude, you're you're not <laughs> you're not an architect. I mean, you're an artist. Like obviously, like you're making art." And mm -hmm. so then, I shortly worked as an architect. Um, I was designing stadiums, and then I had like an art practice on the side. Uh, so that lasted not that long. So I, and then I went full time as an artist. And so this is my practice. It's just like a very technical. I, I dive. I deep dive into the technology and into into algorithms, uh, ha uh, hardware, into the history of it, and then I, you know, I my art my artwork kind of like it 
come out with all of this uh, originally what I say is like I demystify, demystify uh, these technical processes so mm -hmm. so yeah I think uh, that that's the intersection of our art and technology on visual culture like literally this is what <laughs> what I'm interested in yeah well that's so interesting that you come from civil engineering and then architecture um, because that's very rare uh, when we think of art, we don't think of terms of mathematics. It's usually, you know, very creative, although math is creative in its own way. So it's, I think it's, it's uh, significant that with, you know, ordinals and inscriptions, which is technology at the end of the day, it's software, it's technology, it's a protocol. So it's always sort of a weird thing to me to bring in art into technology, but you're, that's exactly what you're doing and you have the background to do that and to think about in terms of geometry, numbers, software. And so we'll get into that in terms of your Umwelt collection and, and some of the AI stuff. Um, but let's start off in kind of a more uh, maybe lighthearted, maybe something easier for people to understand, which is the Taproot Wizards. Mm -hmm. So Taproot Wizards is, I think, a pretty well-known kind of collection in ordinal inscriptions. It really is one of the most Bitcoin-centric collections, I would say, that really ties to Bitcoin rather than its art that is, you know, on Bitcoin. So uh, tell us, how did you first get connected to, to Udi and to the Taproot Wizards? How, how did you guys kind of get to know each other or how did that work? So, um, yeah, this is kind of like an interesting story because uh, it's going to be pretty soon. It's going to be one year since I first spoke with the, with the Udi and, and then with Eric. Um, so in 20, 2017, I was, a, I was at Harvard and I was at the graduate school, school of design. And yeah, I, I was already in crypto, so I was very interested in to, to, to meet all the, you know, the, my relationship with crypto is like, a, like every, everybody else. It was mostly on Twitter and Reddit. And you know, with avatars, like you don't know, like <laughs> you know who is the other person. But so, but when I was over there, I, I created a, a a group, a Harvard group uh, in the design school. So we, we met weekly. Um, very interesting people, you know. It's a very small group. It was uh, designers interested in, in crypto. It was a very 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 cool people actually. Um, and then one day I. I kind of merged, I contacted with the law school and the business school. They have also like a different uh, blockchain groups. And I organized like a um, kind of like a meetup. And so Dennis Porto uh, came, came to that meeting. Uh, uh, and, and then since then, we have been friends uh, back and forth. So Dennis broke, so Dennis I think, uh, you know, Udi and, and Dennis, I think Udi asked Dennis. They didn't met, meet in person, but they, uh, they, they asked Dennis if he knew an artist or something. And then Dennis told me, like, are you, you know, are you interested in, in, any, in anything, any of this? Like, you know, doing something on Bitcoin. I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Like, you know, I'll talk to Udi, definitely. And so, yeah, I met with Udi and um, we spoke... Uh, Basically, you know, we had an intro uh, about basically how we came to crypto and all of that, and then and then I was pretty aligned with the what we he wanted to do because uh, when I came to crypto you know, around 2014, uh, I was like 
Yeah, definitely, it was a different, different time than now. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, Bitcoin had like a, you know, it had a, the culture of Bitcoin. I, it, I wasn't aligned with it. And, you know, I was fascinated by other things. And, you know, and then the years passed by like a two, 2016 and 17. And then kind of like a, the culture was just like a, very, very narrow down, like, if, you know, now, like, we, yeah. we, we can talk about laser eyes. So I definitely, I wasn't, like, aligned with that. But but I always liked Bitcoin, you know, it's, it's such a cool asset, right? So when Udi told me, like, hey, look, we want to do, we want to create something, you know, we, we didn't have ordinals back then. So we we're talking about, like, you know, we want to do something. I mean, he told me, like, you know, the, the Bitcoin wizard. And I was like, yeah, of course I know the Bitcoin wizard. That's super cool. Uh, mean that's something I, I really like about you know this is part of my PhD also like I studied means and the history of uh, the visual culture and the the wizard was of course like you know when when I got into crypto it was kind of like a really like a, uh, a very very important uh, visual artifact so he said like yeah we wanted to we want to do something with it and create culture around it and community around it and I was like yeah I'm down to do it. And down to do whatever it is, you know, we had no idea how to do it, to be honest. Like, we were like, okay, let's meet. So we were like, a, literally, we were, we were talking for, we spent hours, like, you know, meeting with the, all of us, talking about what we can do, how we can, maybe like, you know, we wanted to drive attention to Bitcoin, you know, because a lot of people, mm -hmm. new folks came to the space via NFTs and they, you know, they mostly they came to Ethereum or other chains like Solana, and they totally dismiss Bitcoin. Like, you know, because Bitcoin, you know, what what can you do? What could you do over there? Like in theory, like just payment. So it was an interesting challenge, um, and this is how we started. And this is a it's gonna be a year ago for me, like almost, yeah. Yeah, a year. Yeah, people uh, maybe not mean not know that, that mm -hmm. when Udi and Eric started to think about tap, you know, the wizards, that it wasn't on ordinals, it didn't happen yet. And yeah. uh, I think the idea was to do it on Ethereum, if I'm correct, because that's just obviously the, the, the main place for, for NFTs. And so in a way, it's, it's sad that it was going to have to be on Ethereum because you couldn't do it on Bitcoin. And this is also, I don't know if you know Satoshables, but it was another Bitcoin-centric collection that was first on, on mm -hmm. Ethereum. So now he's brought it over to, to you know, Bitcoin to Stacks. Um, and so that's so great to hear that you guys started out as a Bitcoin project, but couldn't use Bitcoin. Um, and then obviously Ordinals hit. So when, by the time that Ordinals came about, how far along were you guys? So yeah, what you said, we, we, were, we were thinking a lot about Lightning. Um, mm -hmm. We're thinking in many ways of how to do it. Like, you know, maybe it's a lightning, you, you use lightning and then you get one of these collectibles. We're, I mean, it's not like we're thinking Ethereum or anything like that. We're, we're just like, a, just figure out how, how to bring, you know, attention to it. Um, so Ordinals came out. I mean, you know, Casey, Casey, they were working since also basically in parallel right to us but mm -hmm. i you know i wasn't aware uh until later uh so dennis dennis was he told he was preparing this uh his article that became kind of like a very very popular kind of 
and after he published it, uh, the article about ordinals, everything kind of like uh, took off, right? So Dennis told me like, uh, <laughs> I have his message saying like, it's your time to shine, check this out. So he sent me a draft and I was like, yeah, check it out later, you know? And, mm-hmm. but then I, I was like, oh, I need to check this right now. And then I was like, wait, what, this is like cool as hell, right? And yeah, and I was like, I remember one day, like I was just like, after reading this, I was like, this is so cool. Like, I, I love it. So I, you know, I got like this, um, we, we have a, a group uh, where we're chatting about the wizards and I was like, guys, we, I think we need to do this. And, and you know, this was like a very, very early. And then we, yeah, it was kind of like a, right after, uh, uh, things started to get like a noticeable, right? And then we we rapidly we got like, we got like a bunch of people like a, uh, you know we contact Luxor and we started to do the four megabyte. You know it was uh, insane how fast yeah. we got together to do that. But yeah. So did you guys this have is, any artwork done? Okay. Hmm? Did you guys have any actual artwork done before you know Ordinals got started, or yeah, did yeah. you do that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, uh, well, we had like a, a draft for the for the collection. In fact, I mean, you know, I we we were talking for months, and and for me, it was kind of like a challenge project uh, because, well, first of all, I I really like I, I always thought that PFPs were very interesting, and but I never got to do any just because I didn't have the you know, I didn't have the, the reason for, and, but then when, when Udi contacted me, I was like, yes, I'm very excited about it because also it's based on, on, a, on this artifact that is super cool. So, yeah, it's kind of like a low effort, but also there's a meme, which is like a pixelated stuff like that. So, so yeah, I started to do what could be, you know, how this collection could look like. We, we had no idea about supply or whatever. So, but I already had like a, some of the trades already done, so I could say we could have we had like a zero point one version of it, and but then we redid it entirely. I think uh, there is only a few things that that they are still they remain from this first first uh, um, iteration of the collection. So you redid it, came up with new designs, and what's mm-hmm. sort of the 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 base? There's different traits. So mm-hmm. how did you, ch- what are the traits and how did you, you choose those? So the, well, this is like a, a collective effort, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I was, I was materializing everything again, doing the uh, drawing and creating uh, the artwork, but we had like a conversation about, we, the, the, the idea was that, you know, now that you have uh, a PFP, have like a, a lore built on top, like a, the the PFPs are launched and then they create like a, this story around them. So for us, we're like, a, you know, Bitcoin is already over 10 years out. So the lore of this PFP is the mm-hmm. history of Bitcoin. So we used, uh, we had Eric and Nick Carter was helping out a, a little bit. So we're trying to find like a cool things from the history of Bitcoin and then Synthesize them as a traits, right? So this is examples like the Frappuccino. We have the, uh, we have the the well, the volcanoes and 
we had the <laughs> funny the Dor Dorsey uh, jersey, etc., yeah. etc. Et you know, all all of them are. And then some of them are like a calling. They were we even have the get announced glasses, right? Because we are like a looking at you know, it's part of the history, right? Like the NFTs on Ethereum, part of that, right? So we, there is there is trades that, that happen over there because crypto punks and and then the, the announce, for instance. So we had like a three glasses and stuff like that. So we were very careful about what what type of trades to do, but it was all, all, always is built on top of uh, that, like the Bitcoin lore and the crypto lore, I would say. Yeah, and that's what's so fun, I think, about Bitcoin inscriptions and art is there's so much to draw from in terms of cultural uh, means and then events and even like mm -hmm. drama and arguments and breakthroughs that it really is a rich history that is harder to do. Ethereum is kind of sort of technically the second oldest chain that's been, you know, widely adopted. And there's chains that came uh, long before Ethereum, obviously, but Ethereum effectively is, is the next oldest chain that has adoption. But still, Bitcoin mm -hmm. has, has a big, um, you know, has been around a lot longer and just more has happened. So it was nice to see a lot of that captured. And I love the Wizards because I remember when that came out, you know, when that was that discussion first came out and the, mm -hmm. and the, the Reddit thread. And, and like you said, that the culture had kind of gone a different way from a lot of people. So I really like that you guys captured that. Um, and it's, it was a lot of fun. So in terms of like technology though, um, talk to us about why the four, the giant megabyte inscription, why did you guys do that? Was it just to, to, to get some attention or was there a good technical reason why you wanted to, to also do that? Yeah, I think we were like a, what, what can we do that is just like a, you know, uh, get, get attention, but also what is impossible <laughs> impossible yeah. to do kind of thing you know i think it's a mix uh for everything you know we so this is the, this is the history of the project too like we sit together we start to think about like uh, crazy things and then we're like this is too crazy and then you know like uh, Udi is like uh, maybe it's not that crazy i was like okay <laughs> maybe this is again like, so insane but this is how yeah this is how uh, this four megabyte can comes and other things you know with that we're working on everything everything looks like a insane but then maybe it's not that insane and, uh but yeah i think this is how the four megabytes came um and then but the nick uh from luxor we we were like a, i mean this is not how you know which miner is gonna do that you know this is kind of like insane mm -hmm. but nick was like a, yeah i'll do it this is like a uh, let's see. Yeah. But it was like, a, you know, we didn't know like a, if this was going to happen or not. We had like a moment of tension over there. <laughs> it was kind yeah. of like a big, big deal, you know, that, but it was very interesting. But it happened, you know. And now there is like a, how many, how many of those? There is like a three or four, right? Four megabytes? Yeah, I think there's, there's a few, but you guys were obviously first. And when mm -hmm. you guys did that, to me, it really opened my eyes to the importance of miners because miners in some sense are sort of not thought of that often they're just kind of you know the machines behind it but there's not much to it a lot of people think you pay your fee and that's sort of it but to me that that really uh made me aware of just how important you know mining is and it goes back to block space that was i think the other guys mm -hmm. you proved is the block space being a constraint is actually a good thing and you wanted to see how far 
you know, you can go. So, so I think that was a smart move on, on your guys' part. And um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about that was Maven Spot. So Maven Spot is kind of the name for the guy mm-hmm. who originally made that meme, you know, with MS Paint famously. Um, mm-hmm. How much was he involved in this process when, when, since you got started? So, well, he did the meme. Actually, you know, there is a, we did a spaces, uh, no, Udi did a spaces with him. Um, when was this? this? This was like a very early on. February, uh, maybe? February, yeah. And then it turned out yeah. he didn't use in Spain. He didn't Photoshop. I was like, a, dude, that's oh, like a, such a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, Photoshop, but, uh, not MS Paint. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, so he did the, his, uh, you know, he did his meme. We, we spoke with him. Um, you know, Udi was talking to him about, you know, that everything, uh, basically, you know, he was cool with us doing this. Uh, so we got his blessing. And, but yeah, very much we, we, we have been honoring, like, this, uh, bring, bringing this, right? So this is what I like about this project because it's based on, it's an historical, it's a, it's kind of like a derivative of an historical asset. But yeah, Maven, basically, he, he, yeah, he, he was cool. He liked the, uh, but, uh, yeah, we, he did spaces with Udi and, and then basically we're like on our own, the, you know, but uh, okay. I look closely to it. So, you know, you see like a, try to be like a, uh, making this, uh, I mean, obviously like a reference into it, but there is a progression uh, in the wizard. Actually, the Dapper wizards, they're kind of like an evolution. The first ones are very different than the last ones. Uh, Have but you, you guys can... shared, shared mm-hmm. any early versions? Have you guys shared any of those? Well, no, I mean, but the first one, you can, the first one is, uh, actually the first one, num- with us, uh, is a number zero, right? The, the, the four megabytes is, it has like a lot from the, from the early ones, actually, most of it. Yeah. And then, okay. then the, the other honoraries are kind of like starting to shape the new ones and then it comes like a, the, the new collection. And then there is the other honoraries that we are still doing, um, uh, that they are, they are a little bit different. So. Which is uh, some people ask all the, all the time, like, so who who did what? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, yeah. I mean, it's all us. Like, but yeah. there's a progression in the aesthetics, which is also speaks about. This is totally in- intentional because it speaks about openly, you know, thinking about the original meme and how we are morphing into it. But you know, everything is stored on chain, so we cannot change the whole collection. It's gonna be like that. And I think it's pretty cool, you know, because uh, it's kind of like a, well, we have been what, like a, it's going to be like a year doing this. And then when you look at the collection that only has like a uh, 2100, uh, so, and then they're so different, that's pretty interesting to see it because, you know, this is the nature of this on-chain stuff, like it's immutable. So this is like a, we have been sharing openly how the, the design process has been evolving. Yeah, I noticed that it's it's 2121, that's how many, so 2,121, mm. right? Obviously, yeah. as a nod to the 21 million, uh, you know, Bitcoin limit, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm glad you guys did it that way. And in the collection, are you guys, when you think, are there specific people in mind when you're designing these? I mean, I've seen it, it looks like a few people that I, that I know, or is it not anything to do with specific people? And, how they look or is it all just cultural references and then of course 
what colors look good and things like that. Just art reasons, aesthetic reasons. For in the bulk collection, uh, I mean, no, I mean, this is it's just trades. It's, it's not like a thinking about any, anyone in question. I mean, there is a, obviously there is references to some of the trades, right? Like the, you know, this, the, this t-shirt, maybe, you know, is that the one that Jack Dorsey wore mm -hmm. in, uh, in the Bitcoin Miami? Uh, uh, but then, yeah, there's some some stuff like that. Like, a, but it's it's all like a reference, and not not directly to to one person or something. I see. So, what's your process? Um, is it traditionally you have different layers, and then what's your creative process? Uh, because we know the original meme, but then how yeah. do you expand from that in terms of traits, colors, aesthetics? Um, yeah, what's, what's your process there for that? So the, well, the process is, uh, get the original meme and kind of like identify, uh, the, the most, or set up like a, the most important, uh, gestures in, in it. So it could be like a, the robe and then the eyes and the face and maybe the beard. So kind of like a divide this and. And then dive into you know the backgrounds, uh, how to do it. So, so some of the stuff is uh, you know like you want to that, that's something that might be kind of like a challenging. You know we want to make it like a low. It has to do like a low you know low rest kind of like I'm doing it with the mouse. <laughs> mm -hmm. And but then you know it, it has to have like a, this like a compression a little bit that is it feels like a, it's, it's a meme you know when a memes like is sent over time like a, many times like a, sometimes a screenshot it, like a, they are sending mm -hmm. you know kind of like a loose quality and so we have that in, in mind and also well here's the other deal right, right? like a, you're doing inscriptions like a, um back then now now everyone have like a, this in mind the the economy of uh, of making a collection right like you know like how much it costs whatever but, but back then we didn't, we didn't have that we're like okay so we had all of these the 2000 they are like a, each one are like a, a one megabyte or, or 500 kilobytes how much it costs <laughs> and then we're like okay we need to reduce all this like it kind of be like a, yeah we have to do like a uh, 50 kilobytes each so this is very interesting, right? Because then, then I got into writing uh, um, a code, uh, you know, compressing them into web piece and and choosing which ones, you know, because the web piece compression it varies depending on if it is a flat color, if it is like a kind of like a gradient and stuff like that. So mm. or there is too many things. If it is like a very busy, like a, you cannot compress that much. Otherwise, it's gonna be like a very pixelated. So so we had to divide them uh, in complexity and apply different algorithms, compression algorithms. Uh, it was a very interesting, very interesting process, actually. Uh, you do, know, this is something think... that people might not see, but we, we really spent like a long time like uh, doing this. And then at the end, like we spent like $60,000 or something like that. Um, but this was like, a, you know, two sets uh, was the price. Like right now, I don't know how, what it is right now in the main pool, maybe like a seven or something like that. But when the BRC twenties, you know, like it came like a few months ago, it was like a, the mempool went up what like seven hundred or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think three figures. Yeah, I didn't know that it took that much work in terms of like the layering and 
and being able to get the right traits, because like you said, some things might actually cause a large file size. And I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't know that it took some engineering, some, some sounds like some testing, um, some, you know, mm -hmm. seeing what worked and what didn't work. And then with those layers, so it actually sounds like a lot of work. It wasn't just a simple, here's our, we have glasses, we have a beard, whatever the five traits are. And then it was just a quick kind of, you design oh, no, that no, and no. that was done like, to go. I, that's a lot no, of work. No, what's that? Like. Legit. Yeah, and if yeah. you look at the the new the, like the new one to ones, there is a some of, some of them like you can see like the compression, the pixelation of uh, when you compress is actually the art is made that the compression when you zoom in it looks like a it has like a different pixelation stuff like that. Yeah, like a, you, you, if you go to for instance like a Dan Hells. Uh, wizard, like, and you so mean, like, everything is so controlled, like, how, how it's pixelated, and et cetera, et cetera. No, we spent, like, a, a, well, now I have, like, a somewhat of a, of a process, uh, developed, but there is, a yeah, that it has been, like, a, kind of, like, a, a yeah, we, let's say, yeah, we have to develop, like, a, te a technique that involves, like, a, how to use, like, a different colors and complexity. An interesting pixelation, so everything is so it's actually like a yeah, I'm treating this as an artwork, so everything makes sense. Like, even even the way things are pixelated, it, it, it has a reason, you know. So, yeah, I think yeah. this is those subtleties. We, we're, we're gonna find like a, the right medium to talk about this. Like, we're, we're thinking about how to make how to speak about all of this because it's, I think it's pretty cool, especially for some people that appreciate all of this technical stuff. Uh, I yeah, think I would love to share with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys should definitely share because that I think also makes it a unique collection. And especially mm -hmm. since you guys were pretty early, now things have come a long way, you know, obviously with recursive inscriptions and then other things. But I think mm -hmm. I would love to hear, you know, you guys maybe in a Twitter space or something talk about that process. And in mm -hmm. terms of all these layers and pixelations and getting all that right, was that all on you to figure that out? Or is there anyone else on the team that was kind of part of that? Um, well, I was making, so I was making the art and then, you know, we, we are like, a, the, the process is very, it's pretty like a group, you know, we have a group, uh, we talk about it, you know, it's everything like a very, very, you know, we share a lot. So, I mean, when I, I was with ChatGPT, like a coding, compressing, mm -hmm. uh, Udi was, was helping me out to do that too. And then we had like a Tristan uh, was also helping Rindel, you know, we here and there we ask, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a group effort at the end of the day. because um. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of it. I think the project is not like a, okay, this is a PFP that we 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 did in in a couple of days, and then this is it. This is very different. Like we we spend a long time. Like even like right now with the one to ones, uh, you know, it's like a weeks for each one. Wow. You know, we wow. have like a back and forth. We you know, <laughs> it's very funny wow. because at the end of the day, they look like a so silly, right? But this is the but we want to you know, it's intentional everything. So. We have like our committee, like how do you think about this? It's pretty cool. We should, yeah, I definitely we should uh, share. Yeah, I was talking to Udi the other day about it. Like there is a lot of wizards that they never came out and then we had them, you know. And yeah, we should, we should 
do something about it because there, some of them are like very cool, like a super cool. But yeah, it is what it is. Like not everything can be you know uh, inscribed or part of the collection. But yeah, I think that's what people would want to hear. You know, which which ones didn't make it through? Why did you not? do mm -hmm. certain ones is it purely you know if the file size was too big is it you decided it wasn't consistent with the rest of the collection whatever it might be because that's half the story is not what yeah. you guys did but what you guys chose not to do and also that's part of the artistic process right is mm -hmm. when you hit a barrier when you hit a you know a challenge and then you have to be creative around that challenge so i think that's also brought up some things you as an artist of having to figure out maybe from just a pure technical level, but I'm sure there were aesthetic considerations as well. So yeah, if you guys ever talk about that, would love to hear. And then I wanted to ask you about in terms of, you know, Bitcoin itself with its constraints, generally, you know, the file sizes have to be smaller. Mm -hmm. Generally, Bitcoin is more expensive, uh, you know, when you create the inscriptions versus something like you know, well, Ethereum less so, but you know, other chains generally can be less expensive. So for mm -hmm. you as, as the artist, um, how did those constraints with Bitcoin, um, you know, inform what you could do or, or couldn't do? And how, how was it help you to be more creative maybe in a way? Um, so I, I'm an artist that I like constraints uh, a lot. And for me, I, I mean, I really like ordinals, like okay? ordinal theory um, and inscription. I, I, straight, I love it a lot. Like I really like it, it because um, it's not. I'm saying also, I don't, I don't like the other ones. Like I, I'm, I have done things in Solana. Uh, you know, I think Solana is good for 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 other things. You know, it's very cheap uh, and to. To basically deploy the smart contracts, or you know, which is like a pointers to IPFS or stuff like that, you know. And if you want to do like interactive stuff, like you need to have like the users to interact a lot with the what you're working, maybe it's a good solution. And Ethereum as well. Ethereum is, is a fantastic uh, uh, blockchain. But when if you want to put things on chain, uh, you know, I think uh, that you know Solana. I I actually don't know if, if if you can do this in Solana like to put things on chain. Uh, I haven't tried. Uh, in Ethereum, yes, I have tried, and, and Ethereum is, is more costly actually to put things on chain at this at this magnitude, yeah. right? Like we're talking here, like which is like a, you know like when we when we're putting like a, a full JPEG or something like that on chain, this is insane. You know to think about it, like because if you in Ethereum you want to do that. It just forget about it. You you will spend. I mean, I don't know. There's several projects that have done it, uh, like a Van Van Arman, the AI artist. Uh, he put his uh, entire collection. I think uh, you know they were like a, a small images. I think he he tweeted about how much it costed, but maybe like a twenty or thirty ETH, something like that. But also like a cyber brokers. There's uh, the PFP collection. Uh, they they put all, all the collection on chain and they they were SVGs and still I think they pay uh, I think it's like a, about ninety Ethereum something like that back when Ethereum was like three thousand dollars so you know this is this is pretty expensive and Bitcoin is cheaper relatively with the to to that yeah, right so it's, yeah it's amazing that in for, compared to Ethereum it's less expensive but yet the the storage is better. 
it's mm -hmm. more immutable. So it's, it's just one of those amazing things. And it goes back to the early days of Bitcoin, right? Because mm -hmm. I think when Counterparty came out, part of the reason why we got these changes um, was people, you know, certain people, uh, we don't need to name names, really came out against having that bite size. And so I think it went from 80 to 40. I, I should have looked this up. I used to know. But either way, mm -hmm. it was reduced because of that reason, people didn't want to put these things on chain. So ultimately, I think it helped Bitcoin scale better and having, you know, with Taproot, um, it was it's sort of like because people were so against art and non-financial transactions on Bitcoin that we got these constraints, which then eventually led to Taproot, which made it even better. So it wasn't intentional. It was just one of those kind of magical things about Bitcoin that just sort of happened. I mean, it is kind of interesting. And so we came full circle because part of why Vitalik started Ethereum was because he couldn't do certain things on Bitcoin because some of the core devs like Greg Maxwell and other influential voices, right, um, didn't, didn't want that. But it actually ended up working out better. So because of that, now Bitcoin is sort of probably one of the best places for art. Would you agree with that or disagree? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, the, the way I see it is that yeah, everyone can have. Everyone has the right to have their own opinion. And for me, um, there is a. I mean, I you know I I'm I will say I can be like a power user. Uh, this is how you call it in the, in in this like a technical in the tech uh, enterprise or whatever. Like I'm using blockchain all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. As an artist, I think. Uh, I have some collections out there and I, and I would like to, if something happens to me or anything like that, you know, I, I would like to have this forever, like in a blockchain. This is like, to me, it's just beautiful. And so that worked for me. And, you know, like what I did the other day, I, I, my, my two collections, the Infinite AI and, uh, and Infinite IRL, I, I, I inscribe everything. So now it's forever over there. So I don't have to, I don't have to, lose a sleep of saying like, oh man, like what about if the IEPFS goes down or Amazon server when mm -hmm. this goes down? But even even to worry about like in, in 50 or 60 years or 100, now I'm like, a, you know, I'm sleeping. Yeah, I know this is going to be there forever, which is like a very interesting. I mean, it's, it's incredible, right? So I think, uh, I think it is. Uh, but also not... You know, I had this conversation the other day with somebody. Not everything needs to be on chain forever. Like I'm very mindful about yeah. it. What what do I put or not? You know, like I I'm not like pressing the trigger every day, uh, spamming the 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 blockchain. You know, I think about it. Also, it has, it has a cost, which is I think is good. I think it's good because then you 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 think about twice what you put on chain. Um, but yeah, I think it's the best uh, for now. Um, that doesn't mean that Ethereum is not good. I mean, of course, Ethereum is very good for all the things, but I think uh, this process of, let's say, hypothetical case that you launch something on Ethereum, um, you have an artwork, you launch it on Ethereum, the artwork starts to get value, and, and then you as an artist and you say, or even the collector, they say, look, I think you know, this, this has like a meaningful value. It makes sense that we put this on chain, right? Like a, the same that they did to CryptoPunks, for instance, right? CryptoPunks mm -hmm. became on chains later on. Um, what Danny did with the on-chain monkeys. I think that's 
total, you know, it's, it's amazing that we have this resource right now, right? Like we can put it in Bitcoin, the most decentralized, secure network. It's, it's incredible. I think yeah, people are absolutely. underrating. I think people, like, yeah, they, they don't, they, they haven't wrapped their head around this yet. That's my opinion about it. Like if, now we're in this phase that people think of ordinals about like, oh, this is a fad or, you know, this is what many people tell me, like, is this like a new, the new shiny objects? Like, look, I, I don't care about what you think about like in terms of speculative or not. Like this actually is really good. It's, it's, it's cool as hell. Like I can put this on chain, forget about it. It's going to be there forever. That's, I don't care about the other stuff. Like this ordinal theory allows me to do this. You know, whatever people get it or not, like I don't care in these terms, right? This is this is like a meaningful. It, it, it's it's a big deal in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely think it's a big deal, and that's why I think that's Casey calls it, you know, uh, digital artifacts. He didn't call mm -hmm. it NFTs. He gets mad when you call it NFTs, right? Um, but he called it yeah, digital it's, artifacts. It's right, digital artifacts is the well, is the best. It's a great, it's great that he did that. They call them digital artifacts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it's it's you know proof of work. Bitcoin is proof of work, and so if you want to put something meaningful, Bitcoin is the place to do it. If you know you want to pay, you got to pay for it. And so to me, when I look at different collections, I try to think to myself, like, does this need to be on Bitcoin? Because I'm pretty conservative when it comes to Bitcoin. I always have been and skeptical of things. So open-minded. And so when I see a collection, I think, does this need to be on Bitcoin? Or I think, how does this have to do with Bitcoin culture? Or I think, how does this take, you know, something unique about Bitcoin, maybe the protocol or history or something? And I try to look at it and see, and that's, it doesn't have to be, it could be nothing to do with Bitcoin, but generally I, I'm a little more favorable uh, to things like that. Um, and then I, I want to switch a little bit to talking about recursive inscriptions because you brought up the, this infinite, infinite AI, and, and um, I think that was on Ethereum. But could you tell people about about that and, and what you've done with recursive inscriptions, if you have? Yeah. So um, because uh, a lot of my work, I use uh, uh, to, to give background. I think uh, something that I really like about NFTs. Uh, it was the the network effects of it. So essentially, it, it, without NFTs, you work in an artwork. You know, you work in a painting or something. You have this one artwork, and then you have one one unit, and then you have one collector. And of course, you can do like a prints, and you have the same print um, many you know copy many times. But I thought like a, with the blockchain and NFTs, you could do like a one piece, and with code, you can have like a, these variations. And then instead of one collector, you have like a 500 of them. So it's a very interesting tokenizing the work. I felt like it was fantastic. You know, some people, some people think like, a, you know, when Kobe uh, say like, oh, all, all of this is altcoins with pictures. Uh, some people take this as a, a big something negative. And I don't think it's negative. It's a positive. You know, there is a lot. The network effects of crypto is it's very interesting um, tokenizing things, right? So. So yeah, I felt like uh, it's essential for me. It was essential to to do like uh, this generative uh, way, generative collections, and 
So that's I was like hoping that something would allow to do that in 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 Bitcoin, right? So when recursive inscription, I mean, of course, I was following the developing of that development of this, talking to Danny a lot, and and I was like, okay, I need to learn how to do this, and and for so long I had this collection that I made in Ethereum in 2021, the infinites that I wanted to put on chain, but I couldn't. I couldn't because there's two components of this collection. Is a it, it, they had like a 200 or 190 images that are static images that I generated with AI. And then it has a, co a very simple code in 3GS that is grabbing like a, these images uh, uh, randomly and then it, the code applies another layer on top. Uh, so I could put the code, the code is pretty simple. I could put that on chain on Ethereum, but the images, the images I couldn't store them. So for two years, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I need to put them on chain. But then when with, yeah, with recursive inscription, I was like, okay, this is it. So, so yeah, I did it. I, I started to, you know, I had like a lot of conversation with Danny and I used what they did. I, you know, they inscribed already three years and they did a compression method that is very interesting. So I used what they, their stack. Um, and then now my, these collections are, on chain. So when you go to OpenSea, for instance, and you check the Infinite AI or Infinite IRL, whatever you see over there is fetching from ordinals. It's fetching from Bitcoin. Because mm. basically I sub I substitute the what you see over there is an iframe to the to the ordinal. And it's very good because it's it works very fast. Uh, I think it's faster than IPFS uh Bitcoin. So you know so I think it was pretty good. And now I'm working in more complex stuff. Uh, I think it's very interesting recording the description, like conceptually speaking, like you, the idea that you could reference anything that is on chain already is, is really good. It's, it's just like a, imagine, right? What can be done in the future, yeah. in 10 years, like someone can fetch to some inscription that is like early on. You know, it's pretty cool. I think it's fascinating. So for me that I'm a person that I work, my work always or most of the time reference past work that I've done in the past is it, very exciting because uh, whatever I inscribe today or, or tomorrow, in two, three years or four years, I might come back and reference it. So it's, it would be very interesting to see after 10 years or 20 years, all the mapping, right? How everything's referencing what, and everything will be like a, in a running in all these nodes. So it's, it's just like a fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just like Taproot Wizards, you know, here it is, we're 2023, going back 10 years to the original wizard and, and referencing that, you know, 10 years later, whatever it is, now with, with recursive inscriptions, that will really be the case that people could be referencing, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's your Infinite AI, whether it's Taproot Wizards, whether it's your Unwell collection or your own or someone else's, that could, same thing could be happening in 10 years. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what other things uh, that you can do with, um, you know, these recursive inscriptions, whether it's Tapper Wizards or, or something else. Um, before we go, I did want to let you briefly kind of mention, talk about your Umwelt collection. Describe mm -hmm. that because it's it's really weird, but it's it's cool. Like at some of these images, I think, wow, that's amazing, and then I see other ones, I'm like, this is really almost disturbing because it's like alive, but it's not. But it's technology, but it's biological. Like. Yeah, d describe describe that your unwell collection. So, um, 
Yeah, as part of my work, I used the. Uh, I'm very interested in the technology, and 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 I tend to use. Uh, you know, I come from a very also conceptual conceptualism, so I tend to use like a, uh, a available tools to create art or or design, right? So I like to use out of the box things. So the same way that I did for. When I was working for for Infinite AI, I used a uh, Water JS, which is like a, a basically uh, out of the box uh, water simulation from 3GS. For for the belts, what I was doing is I was experimenting with the Mid Journey, the the Mid Journey, the version that I had, which is like by the time I, a little bit earlier than when I, when I did the belt because I, then inscribe it. I think the the belt I finished it like a month before I inscribed them, so I had like a, this the version whatever version, available version. So uh, the the idea was to, you know, thinking about proof of work and computation in general, like even AI uses like a lot of uh, GPUs and, and this technical uh, hardware, right? So thinking about, uh, the inspiration was to thinking about this technological uh, species. And, and thinking about also the, the bottom of the ocean, like we don't know what's going on in the deep ocean, right? Like if there's yeah. like a creatures or, um, you know, aliens, like I would say, right? So I was thinking about it and then I was like, okay, let's, let's do like a just mid journey, straight out, get like a, these computer devices mixing with the deep ocean, uh, creatures and see what what they do <laughs> what me journey does yeah. right and it's very interesting because luckily we have ordinals now so so now we can we can track down which version of me journey i use i'm very sure like if i put the same the same prompt right now with a new version of me journey it's gonna come out with something completely different and i thought that was very interesting so this co this collection is uh it's around the forty five thousand. so i thought like it you know, when I when I inscribe it, I was like, in one year or at the end of the year, there's gonna be like a, a million of inscriptions, and this is gonna sit like in the very bottom, right? So in the future, I will I'm gonna make kind of a, I'm gonna make like an evolution of them. Uh, okay, now we have like a, what 20 million inscriptions, and this is like a sitting in the very bottom. So so yeah, my idea is like a, to find like a you know build a narrative around there, like a they evolve. Into something else, and it's always like gonna represent the time where we are, you know. So those are mm -hmm. like a, that's my idea is to have like these alive creatures that they are living in the in the blockchain. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and, and I love the deep sea. I love deep sea animals. I'm really interested in that, um, mm -hmm. how they evolved over time. And like you said, it's still a great mystery uh, what's mm -hmm. going on under there. And so when you combine that with Mid Journey and machinery, mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. So yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely recommend people check that out as well. It's it's Umwelt, so U M W E L T Umwelt. Um, so now that we're closing down, I have one final question that I like to ask all of my guests, um, Far, which is: Do you have an inscription or multiple inscriptions that you would never sell, that you would never transfer, and if you do, uh, what are they and why? Hmm. Interesting question. Uh, I have uh, well, I have like a one of the uh, some of generative art that I did, I inscribed uh, early on, 
and I think, uh, of course, some of these on belts, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep them. I mean, right now, I, I, I have a lot of them. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Like, if I, if I own, like, of course, I own my wizard. I don't think my wizard is gonna go anywhere. Uh, and, and then, I'm, I try to collect around things that I like, and then I'm gonna keep them forever. Maybe I give them to my, to my daughters. You know, there's this culture of a. Uh, it's kind of like a Bitcoin culture too, right? Like, you know, when my daughters were born, like I got them like some Bitcoin. So you keep them, you know, it's this culture about keeping these artifacts, right? So yeah, I have like a few that I want to, that they are not going anywhere. Hold it. That's good to hear. <laughs> and, and, and you have daughters. And so it, it, it means something more if you're not just keeping them for yourself, but if you're keeping them yeah. for your family. So it's, it's different. So as you think about it and and i love what you said about you also you know got her some bitcoin when she was bored and so you're thinking long term yeah. and maybe not a lot of people will like buy f for you know their daughter when they're born maybe they do but definitely it's a lot more common in in bitcoin so far this has been a great conversation um i really like your grounding in bitcoin and you know in technology and and i knew you'd be doing some interesting things so i wanted to get give our listeners you know, background on obviously Taproot Wizards, but also the other stuff that you're doing. And I like your technical uh, background. Um, so where can people find you on, on Twitter, social media, and then all of your work? So yeah, in social media, on Twitter, I go by 0xfar, uh, and that's the same than in my Instagram. And actually my website is that 0xfar.com. I try to put everything on brand. so. So it's not it's not uh, complicated. So you can find everything over there. I have usually I have in my Twitter bio I have a link tree. So there is all the projects that I have. I try to keep like everything on a link over there. Okay, zero X far is is easy to find you. Well, well, again, far thanks again for coming on the Ordinals podcast. Thank you for having me here. This has uh, been great, great conversation. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review our show. Subscribe to the Ordinals podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite app, and follow us on Twitter at the Ord Pod. Drop us a line at podcast at org.media for topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to interview. Ordinals 2024 conference is taking place in Nashville. Early bird passes are available now. Visit org.media and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media.